Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. I'm Michelle Martin. Asia Pacific stocks are trading mixed this morning. Tokyo is up 1.4%. Sydney is trading higher as well. Seoul is in the red. Joining me now as we break down all the market action is Abhilash Narayan. He's a senior investment strategist at Standard Chartered Private Bank. Good morning, Abhilash. Good morning, Michelle. All right, let's start this morning with Netflix. Maybe you're a subscriber. Maybe you thought of cancelling your service. And if so, why? Well, if you've thought about cancelling your Netflix subscription, you're not alone. 200,000 people did just that during the first quarter of this year. This marks the streaming platform's first subscriber loss in more than a decade. Investors pummeled Netflix shares on the news down more than 25% in after-hours trade. Other streaming media companies are facing a sell-off as well, although not as severe. I'm wondering, Abhilash, do you think the losses that we're seeing as a result are a result of streaming media wars or changing consumer habits? I mean, are consumers switching to other platforms, Disney+, Plus, Apple TV, from what we can see, or are they simply turning off their sets and maybe going out more as pandemic fears wane? I think it's it's a combination of, 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 of these factors, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the industry backdrop to begin with, uh, obviously streaming services had a great run for the last, you know, five, six years because the market itself was growing. Now, what the pandemic did uh, in 2020 was that it turbocharged the growth and we saw a very, very sharp, uh, you know, increase in subscribers for all the streaming platforms in general, right? I mean, people didn't have much to do when, when, we, when we were sitting at home. Uh, now, obviously, market, if you look at the streaming services, the market has matured quite a fair bit, which means that growth going forward will be difficult. So the next subscriber additions will become a bit more challenging. And as you rightly pointed out, uh, with the COVID-related restrictions easing, uh, people are going out more. I mean, for, for myself, uh, if I take the examples, I've got subscription to four streaming services. And, you know, I was thinking myself, like, do I need four streaming services now that I can go out? Right. So, yeah. so we will see some loss in subscribers or it's quite likely we'll see a loss in subscribers because of changing consumer spending patterns as, you know, these restrictions ease. And again, with with so many people, you know, so many providers out there, we are bound to see greater price competition. So, I mean, overall, it's it's, it's great for consumers. You probably get uh, better pricing for these streaming services and you can go out. So, net net, uh, you know, it's bad for the sector, but uh, for the overall economy, it's not that bad, I, I would say. Silver lining there. Let's take a closer look at the sector, Abilash. As I mentioned at the top of the segment, Netflix shares are down 25% in extended hours trading. The company is projecting a loss of another 2 million subscribers during the April to June period. And shares of Disney, Paramount, Roku and Warner Brothers Discovery all down about 4 to 6%. So give us a sense of your overall take on the sector moving forward and uh, you know highlight that point you made earlier, maybe give us a couple of more details on whether it's a good time for value hunters to step in or do you think stay away from streaming media stocks altogether? If you look at streaming media sector, it's a fairly narrow sector, right? You can probably count the, the stocks which are involved on, on your fingertips. But uh, yeah, as, as we just discussed, right, we are going to see potentially more headwinds to the overall sector size and the sector growth going forward, which is likely to result in, in price competition. So, you know, for the next few quarters, it's possible that, that profitability and, and subscriber growth 
come under in, uh, more renewed pressure. Mm-hmm. Now, the big question, obviously, is is it, is it priced in? And that's one which is very difficult to answer because it's a relatively new sector, if you think about it, right. uh, or a segment. Uh, so there's not a lot of historical precedent that, that we can draw on. But if we broaden it out to the to the consumer discretionary sector, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you think about streaming sector, it's, it's a service that we subscribe out of our own interest rather than any necessity. So if you think about consumer discretionary sector, we think we are neutral on the broader sector because while we will see shifts in consumer spending patterns from one sort of sub-segment to another, uh, but overall, uh, we think that consumer spending still remains fairly strong, uh, not only in US, but, but globally as well. Got it. Let's zoom out now, take a look at the broader markets. Tech stocks rallied overnight. The Nasdaq closed up more than 2%. The S&P 500 and Dow Jones Industrial Average both finished up about 1.5%. Abhilash, there's still a lot of dark clouds hanging over the markets. The war in Ukraine, inflation, rising interest rates, pandemic lockdowns in China. What do you think brought the bulls out overnight? Well, if you look at the drivers for the market that last night, uh, I was surprised to see such a big rally, to be honest. So the, the one data point that came out uh, was the fact that U.S. home building uh, permits and home building activity new starts were better than what the market was expecting. And I think uh, a lot of people in the market, a lot of investors took that as a sign that the U.S. economy is still resilient to the uh, you know concerns that uh, higher interest rates from the Fed could dampen the economic growth. So that uh, improvement in, in housing starts was a positive surprise. But, uh, you know, if you think about it, the specter of, of Fed rate hikes still looms over the market, right? The other thing uh, that happened uh, yesterday was the fact that 10-year Treasury yields moved up quite sharply because one of the Fed presidents, President Bullard, called for a 75 basis point rate hike uh, in, in the May meeting. Uh, and that's, you know, on, so that's almost triple the, the usual Fed rate hikes that we've seen, so the 25 basis point rate hike. Now, uh, if we look at the other major development that we've seen in the U.S. just today is the fact that 10-year real yields or inflation-adjusted yields have turned positive for the first time. And essentially what that means is that financial conditions have tightened quite uh, significantly from from start of the year. So whenever all of this together, mm-hmm. we think, yes, the U.S. economy is still fairly strong, but, you know, market sentiment is so fragile that even one data point or one news can, can move the market quite a, quite a fair bit. Now, uh, we, we have been telling investors that uh, markets will be volatile, so we need to, prepare, to be prepared for it. Um, but at the same time, you know, expect much lower returns uh, than what we've seen in, in the last couple of years. All right. The Bank of America notes that consumer spending in the U.S. is strong, even if prices are rising. Don't fight the U.S. consumer. Bank of America CEO Brian Monahan told CNBC their loan balances are down. They have plenty of borrowing and spending capacity. So do you agree? Do you think consumer spending in the U.S. is going to be enough to prop up stocks and maybe avoid a hard landing even as the Fed raises interest rates? Well, absolutely. If you look at consumer spending in U.S., that is one of the bright lights out there. And if you look at the 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 net savings that U.S. consumers have accumulated since the start of the pandemic, that also you know is, is fairly healthy. It's stagnated, but it's, it's still you know a few trillion dollars worth of excess savings that U.S. households have accumulated since uh, uh, since the last two years. So so that clearly gives a lot more firepower for U.S. consumers to go on spending a bit more. But I think one thing that we are looking at is the fact that uh, 
if you look at inflation adjusted wages or real adjusted wages in US they have started to sort of sort of fall below trend line the long term trend line mm-hmm. uh, recently given the spike in inflation that we've seen and that uh, obviously creates a risk that the consumers sort of start tightening their spending habits uh, as inflation starts to bite and that's one of the reasons why fed is so focused on on fighting inflation so you know for now we think that uh, the overall consumer spending and the health of us economy still remains fairly strong it's fairly above trend but obviously it's very important that we start seeing inflation come down towards the second half of the year for this trend to continue otherwise there is obviously a risk that uh, you know we end up in a situation where inflation remains high the fed hikes rates uh, and and that ends up hurting the economy now that's not a base case we we still think that it's possible for the fed to manage a hard landing mm. uh, but it's it's going to be a difficult balancing act In the commodity markets the price of oil continues to trend higher Brent crude selling for 108 US dollars a barrel West Texas is trading a bit shy of 104 US dollars a headline in the business times this morning reads that oil is about 100 US dollars it's a new reality for the rest of 2022 do you agree and if so what could this mean for consumers and for stocks well absolutely so uh Uh, at standard chartered our 2022 oil forecast is $120 per barrel so we we absolutely think that $100 uh, per barrel oil is the new reality for the for the next few few years and and there are a few reasons for it right so one is obviously the improvement in demand as economy reopens as travel reopens uh, obviously uh, the lockdowns in china do create a temporary risk but from a more longer term perspective we think that uh, oil demand still remains fairly healthy at the same time uh, we've seen a massive underinvestment in uh, you know new oil production fields uh, in the last 5 years both due to the pandemic as well as you know the greater focus on uh, green energy and esg related investments which have sort of crammed the investments in the oil sector so we mm-hmm. think that the demand supply balance will be fairly tight uh and you know from a from a market perspective we remain and we have been and we remain overweight on energy stocks because we think that you know higher oil prices are going to persist uh, and given the fact that you know the production costs for most companies uh, have uh, come down quite a fair bit in the last decade or so uh, that obviously means that the margins for energy sector globally uh, are going to be fairly healthy and that's why uh, it's, it's a sector that that we are overweight on Great insight. Let's turn now to China and Hong Kong stocks. The Hang Seng Index fell more than two percent yesterday. There are also signs that investors are turning increasingly cautious on the China market. Recent data shows there were 20 billion US dollars worth of net inflows into mainland Chinese stocks in the first quarter, but that the bulk of this occurred in January, and then the pace of buying dropped sharply. Abilash, what is your take on China stocks overall now? Well, uh, at a headline level, uh, we are neutral on Chinese equities within, you know, Asia, Japan equities context. Uh, and if you look at the fundamentals and what's what's driving uh, Chinese equities and the investor concerns, clearly there are a lot of challenges. Now, I don't want to sound like a pessimist, but you know, yesterday we saw retail sales contract in China, and we saw a large spike in unemployment rate, which is obviously viewed as something which is quite crucial for social stability. secondly if you look at uh, chinese property sector stresses still remain there the measures to taken to support the sector have clearly not been enough uh, and remember uh, real estate sector accounts for 25% of gdp in china so so it's a big sector which is under under a lot of stress and even yesterday uh, after we saw 23 different measures being announced by pboc 
to boost the economy. We fail to see market react uh, meaningfully in, in a positive manner. And all of this obviously comes in the backdrop of strict COVID lockdowns, which impact cities and regions responsible for nearly $7 trillion of, of, of GDP. So uh, clearly, uh, investors uh, have been kind of disappointed by the policy support that we've seen till now. So they are not you know, really relying on the rhetoric that we've been seeing, seeing since, uh, from policymakers and they want to see concrete actions. One of them, obviously, is whether uh, PBOC cuts loan prime rate uh, today mm. uh, and whether we actually end up seeing some easing of COVID restrictions or a big bank policy uh, stimulus from the policymakers. Now, both of these seem unlikely to us at the moment. So you know, that's why, despite cheap valuations, we are not that bullish on Chinese equities right now. But you do acknowledge, right, that things can turn very quickly. Valuations are cheap. So we think a neutral stance is, is something that's warranted. Indeed. Okay, neutral stance, but we've received a fresh sign of how Chinese regulation can affect the markets. Just this past week, as Beijing announced a ban on the live streaming of unauthorized video games that emerged on Friday. Shares of Bilibili plunged 10% in trading yesterday. NetEase, Tencent, Alibaba also came under selling pressure. So is there any concern that more regulations will hamper the growth of China's tech stocks? Absolutely. I mean, uh, while... uh what I've been uh, talking to clients is that the, the intensity of regulatory actions has peaked. Regulatory actions themselves have not sort of uh, stopped for now. Right. So we will continue to see uh, more regulatory actions in the technology sector, but also in other sectors uh, going forward. Now, not all of them are ne- negative, right? So recently we did see uh, a reopening of game approvals, and that did cause a, a sharp rally in some uh, technology stocks uh, just, just, just a few days back. But yeah, it's going to be an ebb and flow. It's going to be a period where uncertainty is relatively high. And see, let's not forget that the other big uncertainty or the other big overhang for Chinese tech stocks is the potential for delisting of a lot of these stocks from U.S. exchanges. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that, that still hasn't gone away. Uh, so while, you know, uh, these these companies are sort of leaders in their field and a lot of them are still fairly profitable despite these regulatory measures, uh, you know, there is a fair bit of uncertainty. And that's why we are neutral on, on Chinese tech stocks. Uh, again, within China, the sectors that we think right now are poised for uh, an outperformance are energy, financial and industrial. Let's bring the conversation to Singapore now, Abilash, where flight bookings are showing pent-up demand for air travel. Tickets booked during the upcoming public holidays in early May have surged 178% compared to pre-COVID levels. Abilash, do you think this bodes well for aviation stocks? Uh, if you just look at the uh, picture of, of reopening and ease of travel, absolutely. It is something which is positive for the aviation sector. That being said, uh, whether it's, it's an outright positive for aviation stocks, that's, that's a completely different question altogether, right? Because if you think about it, markets try to price a lot of these things in advance. Mm. So if you look at uh, the, the prices of global uh, airline companies or aviation-related companies, we did see uh, a fair bit of rally in a lot of those stocks in the second half of, of last year as vaccinations sort of became more prevalent and markets moved ahead to price expectations that there will be a reopening of, of the economy. Uh, so a fair bit of expectations are baked in. Now, obviously, uh, the, the big challenge that has come up is the fact that oil prices have increased quite a bit, right? And if we, if we just follow a rule of thumb, uh, fuel costs account for you know, more than 25% of the operating costs for a lot of airlines. So, so that's going to be a, a big drag on the sector because that's going to result in an increase in prices. 
and, and that can obviously be a dampener for consumer demand uh, as well as profitability of, of some of these airlines. So, you know, it's not a sector that I dis- actively dislike, but, you know, uh, we need to see even further, uh, you know, uh, mm. boost to tourism and, and volumes uh, before we can be considered that the sector is, uh, you know, attractive enough to invest. All right. We're in the midst of earnings season, Abilash. How are Singapore companies doing? If you look at uh, the STI and the Singapore uh, stocks in, in general, I would say they performed quite well relative to, to the broader market, right? So uh, STI index has been the clear outperformer within Asia. It's, it's up around uh, 5-6% year-to-date uh, when you know most of the global stock markets are in red. Now, if you look at the earnings, obviously, there will be some hits and misses. But, uh, you know, from a sectoral perspective, if I look at it, obviously, Singapore is heavily dominated by the banking sector. And it's a sector that we like globally, as I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. So, so that's obviously some, uh, a sector where we are looking out for you know, in terms of positive price action. But yeah, the, the other big component of SCI index is obviously your, your real estate sector. Uh, which includes not only developers, but also REITs. And, and both of these sort of sectors do face uh, their own specific challenges, right? Uh, property, property developers from the recent pooling measures and REITs generally, you know, underperform or struggle to perform when, when interest rates are rising. So, you know, what would be interesting uh, in this earnings season would be the guidance that we receive from, from these companies, because obviously the backdrop has changed quite, quite a fair bit in the last two or three months. So that's something that we'll be watching out for. Anything to add when it comes to your take on Singapore stocks overall as we look to the rest of the year? Well, one way I would look at Singapore stocks is that it's a defensive market, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look at the sector composition, it's generally viewed as, as more defensive. And, and that's one of the reasons why uh, Singapore stocks have sort of outperformed the broader market. So, you know, given the fact that uh, there is still a fair bit of uncertainty in the markets in terms of what the Fed will do, what will be the outlook for uh, Russia-Ukraine war, it's it's quite possible that Singapore stocks continue to do well uh, in the next three to six months. But the big risk would be that, you know, some of these concerns sort of go away and markets become more risk on. And that could be a time where uh, Singapore stocks uh, or SCI index in general might be at a risk of underperforming the broader global market. But yeah, for now, things look quite okay for Singapore stocks, I would say. It's good to hear. Thank you for joining us this morning, Abilash. Thank you, Michelle. Abilash Narayan, Senior Investment Strategist and Standard Chartered Private Bank, is my guest this morning here on Market View. Let's check in on local markets now. 24 minutes past nine, 24 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index finished marginally higher yesterday at 33.07. This morning, the STI is currently trading at 33.28.47, up 0.65 of a percent. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.